Hello, this is Liam Schmidt here from Irish Funds. Today we are bringing you the first of a series of recordings from our recent Irish Funds annual conference held in Dublin on May the 18th. We are delighted to share with you this first panel discussion entitled Unleashing the Potential, Exploring the Role of AI in the Funds Industry. This discussion will be moderated by Kieran Fennessy of City, who also lectures in the National College of Ireland in the area of AI and its implementation into the business world. The panellists for this discussion include Owen Lane of BNY Mellon, Matthew Kipe of Amundi and Nicholas Stokes from the IDA. The panel will discuss how AI is being applied in real-world scenarios in their respective organisations, the challenges involved in implementing AI in a highly regulated industry, as well as examining the more macro perspective of AI and Ireland. I'm sure you'll find the insights to be fascinating and do keep an eye out for further podcasts shortly from the Irish Fund Annual Conference 2023. So without further ado, I'm excited to uh, introduce a very distinguished and experienced panel. On my right is Owen, who's Global Head of Data Science and AI at BNY Mellon and manages a global team of over 30 data scientists. Owen is tasked with delivering, delivering measurable business value against AI. Previously, Owen worked with uh, IBM as Chief Architect for Intelligent Energy and Intelligent Water, where he was an IBM master inventor with over 70 patents or patents pending. So just a quick question for you, Owen, 70 patents. Any of those that are kind of your favorites or is it like asking you uh, which is your favorite child? I can talk about my favorite children. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have uh, have twin boys. you know, they're, they're, they're 12 now. One of them is, is an avid Rubik's Cube um, fan. So we travel all around the country to these Rubik's Cube competitions, which is, which is actually a lot of fun. It's a real, a real subculture. And then my other guy is into soccer and chess. So oh, those are my favorites. Okay, they're good, patents. good. Yeah, they're, they're patents are, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Great, thanks, thanks, Owen. So next we have the panelists who's traveled furthest for today's session. He's focused on deploying AI models from the middle to the front office and has stood up private clouds dedicated for big data analysis. He previously worked as an ETF product developer for SASM, if I'm saying that right, as well as a fixed income portfolio manager. (laughs) Please welcome, all the way from Paris, France, Mathieu Cape, head of innovation at Amundi Technology. Thank, Thank you. We might just have an applause for Owen as well. So in your role in Amundi, uh, Matthew, you lead a team of 15 digital innovation experts. What's one of the key ingredients you think for an innovation team? The fact is it's not digital expert, and maybe this is a key ingredient. In fact, we, we have a team of 15 people. Your microphone. Oh, did you hear me well? I think the, the recording as well. Uh, in fact, we have a team of 15 people, uh, experts, and animate a community of close to 100 uh, data scientists and citizen developers and so on. And in the core of Innovation Lab, we have different expertise, not on technical side. We are trying to sample a little asset manager. So I have people with 30 years uh, experience in trading. I have portfolio managers. I have a guy 10 years of answering the RFP for MD. And I have a marketing guy. Definitely I have data scientists, geeks, uh, 
yeah. I have a researcher here in the cognitive biases. So, but we are trying just when we have to tackle a problematic to have different angle of views mm. and just quickly know if our ideas could become an initiative and at the end of the day, something in, at production level. Okay, Excellent. so this is a key yeah, ingredient. Very good, very good. Not Thank to be focused on the techno. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. So finally then, we're delighted to bring a macro view to today's conversation, and I'm excited to have Dr. Nicola Stokes from the IDA. Nicola is an award-winning AI researcher and is focused on identifying and winning FDI technology investment opportunities across the financial sector. Nicola is an AI technology expert with over 15 years experience managing AI-related ODI projects and has published over 50 peer-reviewed publications on AI. So Nicola, you're a member of the Government Expert Group for Future Skills Needs in AI. What are some of the key themes you're seeing from this uh, working group? Yeah, thanks, Kieran. Great to be here today. So, yeah, the work of that group, um, we published that report last year. It was actually headed by Barry O'Sullivan. You may have seen him on Primetime, you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so he's down in UCC. And I, I suppose what we were trying to do is look at the implications of what we anticipated as widespread deployment of AI in the coming years, like five to ten year timescale. And what sort of skills were we going to need? So we did a review of those skills. Most of these sort of reports will focus on technical skills. We also looked at transversal skills like critical thinking, um, you know, governance, uh, ethics. And I suppose looking back, we see now today how important those transversal skills actually are, that we really shouldn't have these AI teams that are predominantly made of engineers like myself who think, can I do this? Because you also need people who can ask questions like, you know, should we do this? And that's that's going to be really important uh, in the in the coming years, I think, in AI. Um, so another theme was like lifelong learning that we all have to have some expertise in AI skills, and we all need to understand the implications of AI. And there was a lot of support around bringing in. Um, AI literacy into primary schools and post-primary schools. So, you know, seeding that talent pipeline for the future so that we have the, the skills base here to uh, deploy AI at mass in our multinational companies and our indigenous, com indigenous companies. Great, great. Thanks, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Very welcome. Just kicking off the, uh, the intros here. So finally, you missed the three best intros. Mine is the last one. <laughs> Some of you know this one. So my name's Kieran Fennessy and I lead the City Global Fund Strategy and Transformation Team. So just to give a little indication of how into uh, AI technology I am, I lecture in it with the NCI and with the uh, Institute of Banking. Uh, I promise I do have other hobbies outside te technology as well. So as you're aware, there's a huge focus on AI across all media channels particularly over the last six months. So I'm really excited to have this audience here to uh, have, our, have our discussion today. So before we get into the panel discussion, I'd like just to maybe have um, play two different scenarios to you, the, the audience here and get your thoughts on it, right? So scenario one is a restaurant, a new restaurant has opened. New nice restaurant has opened, except the chef is an AI-powered robotic chef. Right now, you have a choice going to that restaurant or going to your regular Saturday night uh, restaurant. Hands, we're going to go old-fashioned here. I know there's Slido. I know it's AI, but old-fashioned. Hands in the air. No, not come. Just hands in the air. Would you go to the? Who would go to the AI restaurant? Powered restaurant. Right. A couple of hands. 
you, you have a choice, it's binary. <laughs> One or the other. So what was the hands for the AI restaurant? Yeah, it's kind of impressive, around half, is it? Close to half maybe? Right, so scenario two then is you're getting married, right? And you need a photographer for your wedding. And you have a choice of either, again, binary, one or the other. You have a choice of going for a photographer who did a couple of friends' weddings, loved the picture, very personable, in with everybody. Or you can go with an AI-powered photographer that's been trained on billions of wedding pictures. Wonderful results. Hands in the air, who's going with the AI-powered photographer? It's down a bit. Yes. It's down a bit. It's, it's trusting the wedding to the. Uh, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting if AI if AI is selecting a book on Amazon or a film on on uh, Netflix and it gets it wrong, what about it? But when it's those kind of once in a lifetime critical events, the element of trust isn't isn't really there. So with that in mind, then we'll uh, go to our uh, first question. So um, I'd love to get the panel's opinion on how AI is being welcomed in your organization and how you are using AI. So maybe, Matthew, if I can start with you from, uh, from a Monday, would be great. Thanks for the question. Uh, how is welcome? In fact, uh, you will see how I'm really not good at marketing. In fact, 10 years ago, I have said to my boss, I do some statistical stuff and algorithm then can predict uh, to who forward a mail for a common mailbox. I have stuff like this. So we, we were not talking about uh, AI at all. We only robotize the things and statistical approach. That's all. So it was well welcoming. Then I will not uh, say how we put AI in the company. I will say uh, where we put AI in company. And the first thing to, uh, to, to address is who is the boss? Who is the boss of the, uh, of the industry? It's the cost-income ratio. So you can work on the cost side, meaning you will make some robotization, improvement, cost reduction takes a, a good prediction or an automation uh, given by an AI, uh, even if on the side or NLP, we will discuss ChatGPT, of course. This is uh, the easy way, it's, I think, Maybe most of you have already practiced this kind of stuff at uh, industry level, at production ready level, I would say, at scale. Uh, and then you have the income part. And income is given by UIUM, meaning your performance and your net inflows. On performance, I assume that most of you, like us, are doing a lot of POC, a lot of MVP. Uh, at, at scale, it's difficult to have the synergy between the same family, family of funds because of the market noise, because of the data quality, because of many reasons. It's difficult. Some of them, you just fund, uh, do real good things. But on the performance side, at the end of the day, to explain to a client your black box, how it performs well, it overperforms, is difficult. So difficult to go to, uh, to scale. And on the income part, net inflows part, sorry, uh, I will maybe, because you, you say we are talking about ChatGPT, I will wait this part of the discussion because um, there is a legendary saying that performance gives the net inflows and it's not really 100% correlation between both. And I think when you have a client-centric approach, when you want to produce quality information to your client, it gives you the net inflows and this thing is not about uh, 
quantitative stuff, mm -hmm. in fact. And we will discuss maybe uh, for some more. Great, 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 thanks. Then on maybe from a BNY Mellon perspective. Sure, but I, I can't say it in a French accent. <laughs> 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 That's my best Cork accent. Best Cork accent. Just, just so <laughs> terrible. In comparison, like, you know. Um, so, um, I guess, you know, so, so the bank, Bank of New York Mellon were, were a custody bank, a very old, old bank. Um, they went on a kind of a digital transformation program um, a, a few years back. They, they hired in a, a very good guy called Roman Regelman. Um, and he, he started to digitize the, the, the bank. And as part of that, we, we had, um, you know, we set up this, this, this central business group um, that, dealt with, um, that dealt with AI, okay? Uh, and, and he was very smart in that he aligned us with the business right from the very start. So our job was really to work with, with the business to develop kind of um, business cases um, that were transformational to the bank um, and had an AI component. And our responsibility then was, was to get that into production. Sounds fantastic, a, a grand vision. And um, at the start, it was very difficult. You know, you were kind of literally calling up people saying, you know, can we work on something with AI? And you just hear crickets and people hanging up the phone. Now, since November, that has changed radically. You know, we have people ringing us up now, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm too busy, I can't talk to you. Um, so I, I think, so there are three areas we really kind of look to address, and we look to address kind of client satisfaction. Okay, so a lot of what we do is settle trades. Sometimes those trades don't, um, don't, don't settle on time, and we try to calculate probabilities in real time, provide that information to our customers about whether trades are going to settle or not. We try to look at process improvements within the bank to help the bank operate more efficiently. So for example, try to um, look at end-of-day cash balances, predict them a bit better, allowing our treasury functions to make uh, better decisions. And then finally, we look at risk reduction. So, so things like um, you know, tax evasion, for example, we would look within our, we have a, a regulatory responsibility to look within our, 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 our transactions to see if there's any kind of evasion here. All of this then is done in a highly regulated environment, so we are overseed by you know, numerous um, regulatory um, bodies within the bank to ensure what we are developing is explainable um, and is, is fit for purpose. Explainability becomes the key, Huge. really, in financial Huge. services Huge. and regulated industries, Huge. isn't it? Huge. You can't say the computer said no. Yeah. 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 And understanding it. Yeah. Yeah. Great, thanks. And then, and then Nicola, maybe taking a kind of slight twist on that question, from an IDA perspective, how welcoming is Ireland for AI investments from multinationals? Well, in IDA, we, we always talk about value proposi propositions when we're talking to clients. And like AI has been our best seller really since I came on board about three years ago. Um, so Ireland has an excellent value proposition in AI based on the strength of the ecosystem that we've created here. So when we talk to clients, we talk about the deep technology talent pool. And part of that is to do with um, our ability to attract the pure play technology companies here who brought a lot of that cloud expertise in, some of those foundational type of um, uh, technology uh, skill sets that are required when, when you're doing anything in AI. 
And then the other aspect of that is that we've great cross-fertilization then between industries. So you have a lot of pure play technology people that will move to financial services companies and bring that expertise with them. And Owen's actually one of them. He used to work in IBM before he went to BNY. Um, then, you know, in terms of investment then by the government, about 20 years ago, um, the government made a strategic decision to invest in AI research in Ireland. So that was pumping money into academic institutions and creating academic centers of excellence at scale. So one of those called Insight would have about 5, 000, or sorry, 500 researchers in it. Uh, they work in data analytics. It would be one of the biggest data analytics centers uh, in Europe. And those centers have become like, I suppose, talent engines for our multinational companies and our indigenous companies. So a lot of the high-end PhD master's students are coming out of those centers and then going into industry. Um, and then there's opportunities for those companies to work with these centers on collaborative projects. And I think the most important thing we hear from clients is that they're working on those projects to industry timelines. And that's really unique in terms of engagement with academic centers. You don't see that in other jurisdictions. And then I suppose the third aspect really is, you know, just giving ourselves a plug. What IDA do is we partner with people on their investment journeys in Ireland in AI. So we're there with soft supports, you know, if you need property or you need, um, you know, an itinerary to a regional location to check it out to see if it has uh, the, the talents that you're looking. We, we link you in with the various service providers on tax and regulation and legal issues. Um, but we also have grant aid as well. Um, so we have a suite of supports that can help companies get started. Because uh, it is risky starting an AI unit or an AI hub. And we can, we can give some initial support to companies to, to, get them, to get that project over the line, I suppose. And then that fits in nicely with um, the tax credit that revenue give companies who are engaging in R&D. There's a 25% tax credit as well. So that reduces the cost of doing R&D here in Ireland. So they're the kind of key um, issues or attractors uh, when we discuss um, AI investment with clients. Insight's a fascinating one because you kind of forget that 500 researchers, one of the biggest in Europe, it's not well advertised for want of a better word, it's not well known out there in the community that there is this kind of bedrock of yeah. talent and researchers and one of the things I think you find with AI is that whilst the technology itself can be applicable across multiple industries. It's not just financial services. That's it. You know, the emails you get, your GPTs, all this type of stuff. It's not just unique to one one domain. Yeah. Right. So that's great. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that. So to look at AI now through a different lens around the challenges of implementing AI. So we see so much in the paper around bias around ethics, obviously trust again. So from run, your experience in running AI in your firms, what do you see as the main challenges with introducing or ramping up AI in, in, in an organization? Maybe, Owen, if I can start with you on this one. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I, you know the, there, are, there are many challenges. I'll, I'll, I'll just touch on, on a few, but um, I think the, the one I've seen that the one I've, I've really seen is that the last mile is the, is, is the hardest. Um, you know, we can, we can develop some very smart models. We can put those models into production, but often I feel somebody, this isn't my phrase, but it's like a Ferrari parked in a garage, um, you know, where it's, 
hard to get those models integrated into the, the, the end users' uh, operating systems. Um, one of the ways around this, you know, that we're, 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 we're taking now is, you know, a much more innovation-led led approach, and this would be around design thinking, putting the end user um, at the center of, of um, you know, what we're, you know, the problem we're tackling, you know, do the user journeys, um, you know, under doing these empathy maps. Um, I, I've, I'm starting to see that make a transformational effect. When you combine that then with, with, with kind of powerful models, we, it allows us to, to deliver a much more transformational experience um, to the end user. Um, another area then would be around what I would term as educating the bank. Um, again, you know, there are a lot of stakeholders in there. We've got, we've got lawyers, we've got ethics people, we've got model risk, model governance. Um, there are a lot of these kind of individuals within the bank that we really have to upskill, educate, um, uh, as well as our end business user in terms of what are the capabilities of this, what are the pitfalls, what, what do we need to look out for, what data can we use, where can we store the data, privacy, all of this. So, so it's, a, it's an educational, Huge. really an educational exercise as well. Um, one other area that I, I, I would talk about is, 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 is explainability. Um, I have some very, very smart people working for me. Um, and at the end of the day, we have to create explainable models. I cannot create a model tomorrow morning that predicts how much deposits the bank are going to have a year out without being able to explain that. That has a kind of a, a knock-on effect that the model I would create for, 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 for something like this could be a neural network model, but a neural network model can't be explainable. So I have to really understand what the problem is and how I can explain this basically to, to the end user. One thing I will say is that we're now in the custody of something cool, mm. you know. I mean, as you said, everybody here, I mean, I don't know who said it at the start, we'd have, you know, some money in the jar every time somebody said chat GPT, but it has really, you know, that, that conversation alone has really kind of changed our perception within the bank from a bunch of geeks working over the year to, you know, really, we think we can do something very interesting with this technology. Again, we have a hype curve associated with this, and we have to be we have to be careful. But it is certainly um, bringing us to an inflection point where people are now really seeing the capabilities and the possibilities of what's. Yeah. What's no, going. no, totally agree. And we will all get to a good old chat and chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> so hold fire in the chat GPT. Uh, so Matthew, over to you. Your thoughts on that question? In fact. Uh, do the same job, so I'm uh, facing yeah. the same challenges. <laughs> um, but uh, just, I, I will, uh, I will say a word about integration because uh, at uh, at uh, the user journey, I will say on a daily basis. Uh, in fact, we we facing the same challenges before AI with uh, simple heuristics. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, all of older company have a different business unit with siloed and legacy systems that didn't communicate easily and so on. So we have started 15 years ago to build a common platform with a common database for the middle office, the accountant, uh, all client, uh, of course the risk office and the front mm. office and the dealing part. And everybody are using the same data set. Mm. So it's a way for us to push 
we call it the buzzword of today is data mesh organization. But mm -hmm. We have started by this at the beginning, and it's a way for us where a desk want a new heuristic, a new AI to share it uh, directly to another desk and to see if we can scale. And my point at the stage is, in fact, we didn't know about AI before, but by building for Synergy Reason a common platform uh, with highly configurable and no you can coding directly into the platform. We have replaced Excel VBA by our data studio. Uh, we have been the base to be able to bring new added value thanks AI. So we, the solution is called Alto. I'm not here to set the solution, but uh, Alto, just to name it, uh, has prepared the data quality issue, the privacy issue, that's a huge things, and uh, the integration. Then remain the last challenge, the explicability. And you're right, definitely. And we are really focused each time this guy, for instance, <laughs> want to put a neural network on the analysis of behavior biases, of uh, cognitive biases, or PM. We have done a huge job on that, for instance. But we try to, even if it works well, we try to build the same result thanks to heuristic. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Because at the end of the day, it cannot be explainable since uh, neural network. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so we are building by design, and because maybe you know that Amundi is really committed on the climate change and so on. So we are trying. We have built our own infrastructure, cloud-based, internally in our data center, on which we're trying to build low consumption model yeah. and definitely symbolic AI, uh, heuristics. Even if it could be smart, huh? it could be running fast, explainable and uh, uh, easily to deploy, mm, yeah. okay? And for the last mile, often we need, okay, to practice uh, hard AI. And we have doing a lot, uh, I will not talking about uh, Gaussian optimization, thanks, uh, machine learning, uh, I don't want to bother with that. But uh, we have plenty of it, uh, but the ones who can be easily integrated into the user journey, and because my PM need to explain also his yeah. result to his client yeah. is definitely the simple things. Yeah. So we have invented the KISS method inside the company yeah. with my French accent. It's mm. the keep it simple and stupid. Yeah. And it works well. Okay. And sometimes, okay, for the watch show, we can show how smart our, our people with the latest uh, uh, technology. Great, so great, thanks. Yeah. It's that whole kind of graph as the complexity increases the explainability decreases you know the more sometimes, complex the model sometimes you get yes but because neural networks help you to tackle easily yeah. without understanding well your business process behind mm. uh, you can have results yeah. but the last mile is a nightmare i prefer to first when i have a problematic to tackle to make a lean management in the first step understood the business process before robotize and put a model just maybe redesign the process and then we step, step by step, we try to make simple things in place. Yeah. Even if the simple things, uh, I don't know, for instance, we have built accountant reconciliation, uh, with you, uh, accountant reconciliation between the accountant and uh, the front office. Okay, mm. we didn't have the same net asset value, why? Okay, we have put a uh, genetic algorithm in place. Okay, it's really smart, mm. really complex for simple things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and at the end of the day, it's really explainable. Yeah. So the, my point is, uh, it's not really true. It's true with black box, what you say, yeah, that's what I'm thinking but you can tackle the thing, kiss method. Yeah. 
Yeah. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Okay, great. And then, Nicola, taking a more macro look from an Irish level, what are the challenges organisations are seeing with developing AI teams in Ireland and uh, how can they be uh, overcome? Some of my best lines have already been covered. That's <laughs> the problem when you're last. But anyway, um, I, you know, I think w what we see here today on the panel is, is the cream of the crop in terms of what's going on in Ireland in the AI space and financial services. And I suppose there is a whole flip side here that we, we in IDA would have a lot of client companies who are nowhere near have, having a conversation um, as technical as this, but they know they want to start uh, a digital transformation journey and they want to start an AI journey. Um, and I suppose to give ID, or IDA another plug, that's where we can help. Um, you know, this is a, an area that's very exciting. Potentially there's going to be a bit of hype around it. Um, we know that, you know, for financial service companies, it can be, who tend to be quite risk averse, it can be hard, as we've already said, to convince the C-suite that this is a direction that we want to, or we need to go in. But from what we see is, you know, the risk of not doing this is greater than the risk of, of doing it. And, you know, in IDA, we're here to help. So one of our digital transformation, one of our pillars in our strategy is digital transformation. So we've been looking um, at our own kind of supports and offerings in the last while and saying, well, how can we use those to help people start this journey? So we've put together like a suite of um, scorecards and diagnostic tools that companies can use free of charge. Uh, so that will help to benchmark where they are um, in terms of uh, others in the industry, give them a sense of where they need to improve. We've also got, you know, training grants because a lot of what we're talking about here is going to involve a lot of upskilling at all levels, not just your software engineering team who mightn't have the AI expertise, but definitely the leadership, change management, all of these different areas around AI are going to be very important. So we have supports around that. We can help um, you know, get you the support to put together a learning and development plan for your organization around AI. And then, you know, you might be in a position to look at some AI development. So again, we have these grant mechanisms that we can help support you to build out a team and bring in some AI expertise into your organization and start trying out these, these, uh, these technologies. Because, you know, it can be difficult to find the right use case for this. There's a lot of pressure on companies to, if we're starting a project, we've got to make this work. And IDA and our grant mechanisms can help de-risk that. So we'd be happy to talk to any clients uh, here today. There's a few of my colleagues in the audience. Put up your hands. <laughs> um, if anyone would like to talk, you know, there are supports out there to, to get you on this journey. Great. Can I give her a yeah. plug? Yeah. <laughs> I just, Absolutely. Just, I mean, the, 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 the support and the, you know, the, the, the conversations we have, the connections that you've made for us have been outstanding. Really. Really. Great. Couldn't, couldn't be happy. Good, 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 great endorsement to get there. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> get your pint later. One coffee So, thanks, thanks, thanks for that, that, that great endorsement. So, the next kind of topic we're going to have is obviously, as I mentioned at the start, we'll have a question on ChatGPT, but just a little mm -hmm. bit of, I know, well, kind of one of these without it, right? So, a little bit of trivia for uh, everyone. Anyone have any ideas on when the first chatbot was created? 1961 <laughs> in MIT 
a chatbot called Eliza. It was a psychoanalyst. You'd ask her questions, I'm feeling sad. Why are you feeling sad, Karen? I burnt the dinner. Why'd you burn the dinner, Karen? So it's almost an infinite loop going on like that. So if you pick up nothing at all from today, you know that chatbots have been around 60 years. So on that note, Nicola, we might start with you on this one. Thoughts on the application of GPTs um, and the, on the funds and financial services industry? Sure. So I, I thought I'd start really broad on this. So I think a lot of this is unknown because the technology is so new. And it struck me last week, um, Google had their developer conference um, over in California, and they mentioned 25 products that they're going to augment with this GPT technology. And I think that's in the short term where we're going to see the most impact. It's going to be around these product or these uh, productivity tools. So, you know, I'd love some button on my uh, Gmail or whatever that would automatically reply to emails for me. Now, I want to check that email, but wouldn't it be great if it was written and all I had to do was just edit it? You know, there's going to be other functionality in like PowerPoint type applications where you're going to give the um, system a prompt. You're going to say, I need to give a talk on quantum computing. Uh, I, it's going to be for, let's say, I don't want to do any disservice to my colleagues, but maybe level of a 10 year old or something like that. <laughs> you're going to be able to give this sort of information to, to the system and it's going to become back with a slide deck for you with images and a transcript that you can use for your presentation. So this is the future. We are going to be using these tools day to day in the business tools that we already uh, use and are familiar with uh, at present. I suppose then, you know, what are we actually going to be doing in funds industry? I might leave that to my more experienced colleagues to uh, answer. But I think there's so much risk around this. Um, you'll see that a lot of the companies have locked down chat GPT to employees because they're afraid that there's going to be some uh, data leakage that they're going to employee will copy in a load of sensitive text into the prompt, things like that. Um, so I think where companies are when I talk to them at the minute is they're actually looking at the open source GPT models that are out there, bringing them in-house and playing around with them. Because at the moment, we, you know, we really are trying to figure out what sort of application areas uh, this could be applied to. If I was to take a bet, I'd say in time we're going to see this on the client servicing side. Um, you know, our, our clients are looking for... Um, you know, new new types of funds, uh, alternative funds, um, you know, our businesses are becoming more nuanced and our communication styles with our clients are probably going to become more nuanced. So there's going to be a lot of personalized content that we can use ChatGPT um, to generate for us, which will help this client engagement and improve it. So I'd say that hyper-personalization, which we've heard about for so long, but it hasn't really materialized, I'd say that's possibly where we're going to see um, gains in the future. Great. Thanks, Nicola. Matthew? Uh, in fact, uh, we are in production with ChatGPT, but not only with ChatGPT. I will explain a little bit more. Uh, we have started two years ago with different PhD in my team uh, to build transformer models. Okay? And uh, we have built a community in Amundi of several hundred people to test it and at the end of the day to uh, see if there is on the core of the process uh, 
improvement or if for side task only. And uh, each time when we push the survey, we discover that uh, it could be useful only if the chatbot could be uh, making writing instead of uh, could provide information, but on the no private knowledge of Amundi. Okay, so ChatGPT is really awesome to write in a beautiful way, but the knowledge it has for industry don't make sense. So we have building and it's prod, prod ready until just this night in fact, <laughs> uh, but under uh, the, the testing phase during the last three months. So we catch every uh, data we add in MD, unstructured data, meaning your PowerPoint, Excel files, your clock, and sector. We embedding them, then we store it at, as vector. I don't want to bore you with technical stuff. And when you ask on our platform, Alto Data Studio is the name of the platform. When you ask, you have a chatbot, you, you, you ask your question, behind we reinterpret your question to catch all the knowledge points, similar or close or somewhere in not f too far from your question. We embedded them, okay? We ask them to chat GPT your question plus who you are, plus your limits, plus this list of information. The chat GPT I'm talking is all on, on uh, Microsoft Azure Tenant, not OpenAI one, or because security reason, you can imagine, uh, in information, information leakage. Um, and then we catch the answer, we give it to the users, and we clean everything inside the Microsoft Azure. Okay, we keep everything inside the wall. So this based on ChatGPT, enfin GPT-4, uh, is based also on different other engine, our engine, uh, and we have other, uh, like Victus from Yale, I think uh, you, you know this model. We have deployed Starcoder uh, last week. Enfin, okay, you can uh, define the engine you want to work with, and now we, we start to send uh, the bill <laughs> at the end of the month of each usage, because sometimes, because you, you pay uh, word by word for token, per yeah. token, uh, you want to retrain and you want to ask, so at the, at the end of the day, you receive the bill, you have your content, it costs nothing. And in terms of business use case, we have started by, of course, translation. All document providing in French, you hear how I speak well English. Uh, okay, we translate it in uh, the 33 countries in which uh, Amundi is deployed uh, quickly. Then uh, writing assistant on RFP, definitely massive. Mm. Massive, how we can uh, improve, and uh, we it's a writing assistant based on the previous AFP yeah. we already made and the private knowledge of MD. Yeah, so yeah. very, very, very accurate. Would, would you have the human in the loop then in that scenario then for the final output? Where, like in an RFP example, you always, can it, yeah, always never key, trust this kind of stuff, exactly. Okay. Exactly, that's the key. Uh, but uh, with the same team, we do we 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 can do twice third times yeah. uh, the same volume for the, the volume of yeah. actual yeah, so yeah, you yeah. can imagine the massive business you can get it's it. still not the growth uh, yeah. then definitely we have um, marketing compliance mm. important thing for us huh? you know that we are well committed on ESG and so on so every marketing document that uh, thing I have a robot that check that it's mm. well aligned with the regulation and with the reality and there is no uh, someone who is Okay, to free. Yeah. Uh, so these things, it's really important for the compliance team and massive. And, 
and it's a way to uh, free them to have more added value on other tasks. Yeah, no, and uh, and uh, we, we have tackled 20, 20 business use case analysis. I don't want to enumerate every, <laughs> everyone, so, but, uh, yeah, but yeah. it's really massive, useful, just securitize your environment yeah. of data. Yeah. And build, but like we say before, a clean data environment, shareable, etc., etc. Yeah. And then it's easy to integrate. We have, in less than three weeks, huh, we build uh, the same interface as ChatGPT with private knowledge, with prompt engineering template for all mm. business time. Meaning, if you already, I don't know if you know what is prompt engineering, but you know that you can ask to ChatGPT to uh, answer like this guy. <coughs> like Okay, this is what we call the prompt engineering. And we have these features to, uh, to template a prompt engineer and share with your colleagues directly. Mm, okay? Excellent. And last thing, but not, it's the killing feature that really do the same. Uh, when ChatGPT gives his knowledge, because we know each point of knowledge he has used to build his answer, okay? Mm. We can click on the answer and quickly retrieve all point of knowledge and the address of where he stores where the original from. sources. Yeah. This is a killing feature That's for scary. everybody because yeah. you saw, I don't know, give me the AUM of MD, <laughs> uh, easy way, but it can hallucinate. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, no, okay, no. you click, you will see the different sources is used to compute it. Great, great, okay. great. And then finally on anything for yourself, any thoughts yourself? Yeah, no, a lot, lot covered there um, already. I mean, I think, um, you know, kind of, I'll, I'll go back a bit broad and then, and then, and then come back in. You know, if you were watching the, the US Senate hearings yesterday, you know, you would have seen Sam Altman, you know, CEO, um, you know, of, of OpenAI saying, we need to be regulated, you know, so this is, you know, this, I think the senators were saying this is the first time somebody's <laughs> to the Senate hearing. From a tech <laughs> company please, gone, please, 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 please regulate me, me. Um, you know, so I think that's, that is telling um, of, 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 of the state of affairs here. Um, you know, the other thing I would say is, you know, there was a leaked email um, by a, by a, somebody, you know, high up in, in Google that basically said, you know, that, you know, the, the open source models are are hot on our heels at this point. So, so the the differentiation that Microsoft and Google has is being fast eroded. So this will this will impact all of us very very soon. Um, I think um, from the bank's perspective. Again, just going back to a highly regulated environment, you know, we have the Fed watching us very, very closely here. So we are, we are evaluating this 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 technology in the context of a, of of a risk adverse environment. But just to that end, we, there are three areas then that, that I'll quickly touch on. You know, one, um, you know, one is what I would term as the augmented advisor. Um, you know, if we're giving advice, advice, you know, to to our clients on fund performance, for example, again, um, ChatGPT can potentially be used there um, in terms of, of um, helping to break down complex analysis in ways that that, that are consumable uh, by the client. So this idea of of, of augmentation um, is is very important. The second is around content generation. The RFP one is, 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 is a great example. We have troves and troves and troves of RFPs that can be that can be used as input into you know a domain-specific <coughs> model, a domain-specific large language model here to, to to generate the content. And then the last area, which I think will be 
will be highly transformation is around code generation. I mean, you know, this was this was the jump that ChatGPT did from 3.0 to 3.5 was was basically adding in the code base from from GitHub and teaching a large language model how to code. Um, you know, there are studies out there, you know, that said, you know, that, that a Python programmer can be now 90% more efficient with, uh, with you know, this, this idea of a co-pilot. Um, this will be huge. We develop a lot of code within our bank. We have a large technology organization, as do, do most big firms, um, and this will be this will be highly impactful in terms of how we are able to make them more efficient. Um, it's like sharing the organization exactly. across exactly. all developers, exactly. no matter what exactly. business function exactly. or area you're in, exactly. because it's that, like Matthew was saying, it's that locked in within your own environment, so it's not public, but it's everybody going, I want right. to write code for something, how do, I, how do I do it, who's done it before, and you get all these, and then you can potentially link back to the source, which is what mm. you were saying, Matthew, right. yeah. Can I make a remark on your last Sure, comment? please. Uh, in fact, you know, we are a small company. I mean, mm. 5,000 people is not like BNY. And we are 1,000 IT. Mm. So sometimes we feel more than a tech company mm. rather than an asset manager. And so we have make, we are making several months of tests uh, for the coding part because right. we are building everything inside. We are property. It's all IP. And, uh, just warning with the coding saying that the fact is your good developer, your best one, mm. will be amazing and the worst guy you have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so be careful. We have made yeah. a real operational test. Yeah. And at the end, we have just measured how many bugs we have and so on. How many breaches, how many. Yeah. And the fact is, uh, okay, just give the tool to your best guy, not the, good, not yeah. the worst one. Okay. <laughs> Okay, just a uh, just couple of questions here that have come through in Slido. So uh, we've only a few minutes left, and I heard a round of applause there, but I think um, I have it in my head they started before us, so we're still on time here. So a problem I see is people suspicious of AI and the risk committees requiring someone to sign off decisions. How do we get people to trust the robot's decision? Who wants to take that one? Or is that one for the pub later on? Just to start, I think like what we've been emphasizing here is, you know, there's always going to be a human in the loop. Yeah. We don't really anticipate that these technologies are going to replace people. They're not good enough yet, quite frankly. And there's a lot of unknowns. So in the near term, they're just going to be assistants, personal assistants. They're going to be tutors. That's come up as well. You know, they're going to be aids for productivity. Um, so there's less risk around that because obviously there's a human in the loop and they, and they can check content. But that's the way I'd see it for the minute anyway. But also I think a lot of discussion went on around the whole explainability element. Right. right. And I right. think that's, that's key as well. So when you look at the kind of the risk committees requiring someone to sign off, risk committees are only going to sign off on something that's explainable. Correct. Correct. And I, th I think absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, having the proper development toll gates in place, yeah. um, you know, with the, with the proper risk functions, analyzing these models, these models don't go into production until they are, they are properly vetted, they are properly tested, they are properly um, dismantled. I think this is, this is key to um, imbuing trust with it within an organization. We have a group within our bank called 
model risk, model governance that, that spend a lot of time crawling all over what we do. A matter of fact, I've actually had to hire one person in just to deal with um, model risk, model governance. What you said is, is very, uh, is, is very apt. You know, there's nothing that goes out there that is just straight out. It is, it is all the four eyes test. There is always a human in the loop, in the loop here just to either in, in the augmented advisor, either in looking at the, the RFPs, either in checking the, the, the probabilities we got given a, on a trade failing, whatever. There is always somebody mm. watching this. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great. Now there's a couple of more questions here, but I think uh, Matthew's flying back to see I, I will say quite the same because it's uh, close to, oh. uh, I will make the parallel with the uh, citizen developer policy strategy we have deployed in Amundi. Uh, so we have deployed an environment where uh, people, business, didn't need for IT to develop their own intelligence. Okay, uh, but it's secure, uh, there is limits yeah. and so on. It's just a way to improve and uh, let them having more added value on. And with this kind of uh, technology, it will be quite the same. At the end of the day, it's just a way to have a power user, augmented thanks, new assistance, but uh, uh, there is always a human to push the button. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so just, just in the interest of time, that's probably the only question we have we can address, but as I, as I was just about to say there, but Nicola and Owen will be around later on if anyone has any further questions. So maybe I'll just finish off with a quick 30 seconds on AI in the funds industry. What would you like people to leave with? Look, I think it's going to transform all of our lives. We, 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 we know this, I think, you know, just putting the proper, um, you know, kind of toll gates in place here, it, it, it can, it can and will have um, a transformative effect in, in terms of all, all we do. Um, educating ourselves, understanding the risks, um, and understanding how this technology can can help us is the way forward. Great, thanks. Much you anything to add? Uh, 30 seconds is short, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's 10 when seconds. When we asked ask me to become uh, head of innovation, I have asked three months to come back to them to explain my strategy, blah, blah, blah. Three months after, I uh, just say, I don't know how we will do. <laughs> I, just cannot, I just say what we did. definitely we do not want to do, okay? Yeah. And uh, after many years, but I have do, I have do what I don't, didn't want to do, perform. The fact is innovation is not a matter of process, okay? It's really a mindset. And innovation is a mat it's not a matter of uh, expert or guys. It's really sure innovation could come from everywhere. Okay, mm. so it's just a way to share, discuss, uh, collaborate, and uh, these things are sometimes hard to put in place when yeah. you have legacy. But uh, it's the key for the future and for the future with AI and so many improvements in our Great. in our Great. industry. Great. And final final house, um, I'm, ju I'm just very optimistic and excited about the technology. I, I've, I've seen a lot happen over the years and I really feel like this is a, a breakthrough um, that we're living through. It's the iPhone moment for AI, as they've said. Um, but I think to your points really is that we need guardrails around this technology and, and that'll come from within the organizations, but probably from regulation as well. Great, thanks. So with that, I'd like to thank Owen from BOY Mellon. Matthew from Monday, Nicola from uh, IDA. Thank you all for attending and uh, a round of applause.